Well, welcome everybody to another episode of What's the Point podcast at Waypoint Church. Today, we're actually going to have a very unique conversation here, something a little different from our usual podcast. Uh, we're going to talk about foster care. And the reason we're doing this is this month um, is Foster Care Awareness Month. And so we here at Waypoint Church are very passionate about foster care. So we wanted to have some guests in with us today to talk about foster care. So um, most of you guys know who I am already. I'm Lawrence Yu. I'm the pastor at Waypoint Church. And we have with us today... My name is Candice Petty, and I have been attending Waypoint Church for probably six or seven years, um, and I have been a foster parent in Durham County for five years. And I'm Megan Klingler. I'm the Director of Children's Ministry here at Waypoint, but before that, for a few years, I was a foster care specialist at a private foster care agency here in the Triangle, so I supported foster families and managed our emergency crisis placement program. So obviously I bring in the experts. So, you know, this is what we do here at the podcast. <laughs> um, my first question I just want to ask very simply is what is foster care? Megan, if you don't mind answering that question first. Yeah, so foster care is a lot of things. But in a nutshell, it is when kids are not safe in their home due to abuse or neglect or um, parents' mental health diagnosis or substance use, um, for whatever reason, they're not safe in their homes as determined by the state. So the state removes them from their homes and becomes their legal guardian. And their parents have about a year to work on a case plan that could be maintaining a job or going to therapy or going to parenting classes and um, hopefully in in hopes of reuniting with their kids. And kids have about, um, well, the, the goal is always reunification to start with. Parents have about a year to work on that case plan, um, and if reunification can't be achieved, then adoption becomes the permanency plan. Wait, so I'm confused. I always thought my own limited understanding of what little foster care was, was it was more about orphan kids needing a place to live. That's not necessarily the case. No, that is not the case. <laughs> so I actually kind of hate the word orphan. Um, I think it has a pretty negative connotation, but I think people also think foster parents or kids in foster care don't have parents who love them. And so I think that's a lot of times not true. Um, I think they have parents who love them. They just don't have the tools and skills to care for their kids right now. So um, I think it offers Christians a really unique opportunity to stand with families, to preserve families, um, and seek reunification and seek families to be together. So Candice, what is a foster parent then? So yeah, a foster parent is someone who um, goes through a lot of training, background checks, um, full once over of their entire house, um, in the process to gain approval from the Department of Social Services to care for these children while they are not able to live with their birth family. Hmm. Well, so then my question then is, who would who would do that? Like, why would you care for kids? I, I mean, the idea of care for kids makes sense, but why would you care for kids that already have a family? Um, why would you go through all that stuff to do that? Yeah, um, uh, if I think back to five years ago when we made the decision to do it, I mean, we never thought that we would grow our family through foster care. Um, it was more or less an attempt or the opportunity, I guess, to be involved with people in our own community who we wouldn't otherwise intertwine our lives with. Um, and just to get the chance to 
uh, be the hands and feet of Jesus to these people um, through their children, which is an easy easy point of access for the most part um, because kids are easy to relate to and to love and to uh, be able to bridge any type of awkward or uncomfortable or we don't have many things in common sort of gap between us and someone who um, is going through a really hard time in their lives. So Megan, you mentioned foster care. The goal is reunification. A lot of the parents are people who maybe don't have the tools, you said, uh, to be a a caring parent, who determines that? How is that determined who could be a, a parent that is capable of having a kid or not having a kid? How's that, how's that work? Yeah, so when a um, report is filed with the Department of Social Services, um, there's a caseworker that goes out and they kind of assess the situation. So it's social workers who are assessing it. Um, and a lot of times kids aren't immediately taken into care It's usually they have family preservation services put in place and they are doing having different goals and things to try and keep their family together. So it's very rarely that kids are immediately taken out of the home unless it's like imminent danger um, is happening. So the the Department of Social Services manages all of that. So basically then social services determines that a child is unsafe maybe is that the word mm-hmm. yeah uh living in the current circumstance then they're placed with a foster parent mm-hmm. somebody like kid this is like you're a foster parent in that situation in that setting how long of a period is typically a child in foster care Ugh. <laughs> it's a loaded question is it <laughs> yeah yeah every case is really different um you can kind of talk in in general terms and the goal would be a year but I mean, how often is it only a year? Like, mm. never. It's years. Right. Wow. Right. Like, two to four, sometimes five years. Wow. Depending on just the complexity of the case, the current county that the case is in, depending on how many kids are in foster care, and how many cases a specific judge is having to work through in order to make decisions, and just prolongs. Wow. That just gives a lot of elements mm-hmm. to it. And there's also an element of... When a child is, when a decision is made and a child is reunified with the birth parent, they're monitored for a certain period of time. Um, and if the child is not able to stay reunified with that parent, they come back into foster care, um, which is a situation that happened with one of our children. And so it just extends things. They mm-hmm. come back into foster care um, or back into a foster home and... The process does not start over. Um, obviously, it's clear at that point that the child's not going to be able to stay with their biological family, but they still have to go through the legal hoops of permanent, finding permanency elsewhere. Wow. So how many children are currently in foster care in America, and how many are in North Carolina? So in 2018, the stats were that there's about 400,000 kids, a little more, in Sorry, 440,000 kids in the United States and about 11,000 in in North Carolina. But that's if you just take a snapshot of this moment in time. So kids are constantly moving in and out of the system, aging out of care, running away, being adopted, being reunified with their families. So, you know, if it's 11,000 in the morning and still 11,000 at evening, it could be a different set of kids, if that makes sense. Like 20 of them could have gone out of care and 20 more come back in. So the actual amount of kids who are in foster care is, you know, way bigger wow. than that number. Are there enough foster parents? It seems like a lot of foster 
kids, are there enough foster parents for that? No, there's not a lot of foster parents. We need more foster parents. Um, I think probably every county in North Carolina would say they need foster parents. And they need foster parents who um, are going to stick with it. and Because foster parenting is very hard. Mm-hmm. Um, just parenting is hard. But then having to deal with social workers and meetings and court cases and your own emotions, just it adds a lot to it. Case, would you mind sharing um, something that was hard, but also something that was good for you uh, for foster, foster care? Um, I think so. Obviously, something that has been something that's been a positive experience for us through all of this has just been um, like the raw necessity, or just like the need to rely on the Lord. Mm-hmm every moment of pretty much every day um and to really see our um, inabilities to be able to do this on our own um and something that I probably just wouldn't be as quick to lean into if I just had biological children and had the conventional you know two kids white picket fence sort of life um I just wouldn't probably be as quick to lean into um lean into the Lord for strength um, to get through whatever yeah. might be difficult because the things that we've experienced are extraordinarily difficult. Um, so just kind of seeing how the Lord's provision has gotten us through the really tough times, how it's strengthened our family, our extended family, um, my marriage, just being able to um, be near to God yeah. as we're fostering and raising these children. Um, and obviously, I mean, we've, been able to be parents throughout this process of fostering, which is such a huge gift and a huge blessing. Um, we've been able to, uh, I mean, we've been able to be close to people who we wouldn't be close to, um, probably throughout the meeting, the biological families of our children. Um, I mean, I still have lots of desires and prayers for that relationship, um, with those families because it just kind of ebbs and flows and, um, it'll always be, I think, kind of a work in progress, but we always will have that connection with these biological families who are still walking a really tough road. Um, and just being able to have that connection, um, and to know that it's something that the Lord is going to constantly be pushing us into that zone of being uncomfortable, um, because we have that connection to these biological families. I love that because just honestly when I think about it and I talk to other people one of the fears in foster care for a lot of people is the relationship with biological parents mm-hmm. right and that's kind of one of those things that like uh, I don't want to have deal with biological parents I don't want the confusion with the kids and all that kind of stuff but I love your perspective your perspective is investing in or building relationship with getting to know the biological parents as part of who you are the ministry that you want to be a part of i love that i mean that's just a different perspective a way of looking at it normally some not normally i'm not gonna say anything's normal but i often hear of people would say that's what i don't want and so you just you're looking at it totally differently so i, I think that's really cool yeah yeah i mean it's hard and it's uncomfortable and it doesn't definitely doesn't really ever get easier um but it's just a neat thing to be able to be a part of um, because there's just no other relationship in our lives that is like that with mm. the biological families of our children. That's so interesting. So what was, what's been hard? 
Um, the hard has just been the uncertainty of all of it and just not ever really knowing. Well, and the uncertainty and obviously being completely every single aspect of fostering foster care is out of our control as foster parents. Um, and just wrapping our heads around that, knowing that we have to totally relinquish the lives of these children who we love and care for 24-7 to a system that's very broken and corrupted. Um, but... I have to press it in there. What do you mean by it's broken? Yeah. I mean, like, for example, our son, who was reunified with his biological mother, it really should have never happened. Um, it was a judge who made a decision based off of incomplete information that she was given, and he suffered trauma from that. And so that's just kind of like a, I don't know, loophole's not even the right word, but that's just kind of where the system, one example of how the system is very broken and yeah. overburdened, that they're making decisions um, that aren't always in the best interest of the children. Yeah. Um, An overburden is a word I've heard often. Do you find that to be a true word, Megan, in your experience in working with the system? Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, I think from a professional perspective, all the social workers are just burnt out. And, I mean, how can you not when you're dealing with kids who you come to really care for um, you're learning their stories of abuse and neglect and, um, all the really hard things they've been through. So it's emotionally burdensome, but then you also have a really high, you know, potentially a high caseload of kids you have to go see and lots of paperwork that you have to do. And I think sometimes the important things get pushed to the side because you have to do all these requirements or you, you don't get funding from the state or it's just like mm-hmm. this big cycle of... There's not enough time in the day and enough money in the system. Wow. So let me ask this question. Say someone's listening to this podcast right now and they think, I want to do something, but maybe I'm not called to foster. What can I do to fight, make the system better? Is there anything they can do to help with the system that's broken? Maybe advocate, maybe not advocate, maybe give financially. What, what could they do? Yeah. Um, I mean, I think even aside from what can you tangibly do? Mm. One of the most important things is prayer. As a specialist, as a foster care specialist, I learned relatively early on that we have a really powerful, active tool in prayer. I think a lot of times people think it's very passive, uh, and that's just not true. Um, When I was like, man, what can I do to like fix this? Um, God showed me, you can't like I, I can, I can, you know, redeem broken situations, but you can't. Um, and so he guided me to intercession. Um, and even at times when I was too emotionally just sat and burnt out to, to intercede for my kids, I know I could count on people, my friends and um, my community to intercede, intercede for me and for my kids. So I think prayer is like the most vital thing of all. Um, beyond that, if you don't feel called to fostering, you could be a guardian ad litem. Mm, What's that? Which is a court appointed advocate for a child. So every child in state custody has a GAL. Um, you can, each county trains GALs. Um, so you would like, if you were a GAL in Durham County, you would have Durham County kids and go through training in Durham County. You visit the kids, the foster parents, the birth parents, um, anyone involved in the case, go to important meetings, go to court, write court reports. So I think that's a really good way to um, get involved with one family. Um, 
rather than like on a broad perspective. Mm. But I mean, you can always reach out to DSS agencies or um, any advocacy agencies or private agencies to see like, what are the needs? Um, how can I give of time, of money, whatever it is that you have? How can, how can people support families who are fostering? Yeah, um, obviously prayer, Megan hit the nail on the head, right? Yeah, yeah. with that one. <laughs> um, I was just talking to my mom the other day about the prayers that we've been praying for our foster daughter, and um, especially during this time where courts are closed and things are really getting backlogged. And um, I, I don't know, we just were kind of spurring each other on, encouraging each other to pray, like, really bold prayers. Um because you can pray, pray just kind of general, like, God, please redeem the situation. And um, But when you know details, so when you have relationships with families and you know the details of um, the kids and the case, you can pray bold, specific prayers. Yeah. Um, so getting finding those families who are fostering um, and building a relationship with them, inviting them over for dinner, them and their crazy children, um, and... <laughs> Asking questions, like, it, I know me as a foster mom, it makes me feel like someone cares, you know, when they ask questions and want to know, are there any updates, and um, how can I be praying for what's going on in your kids' lives, and um, and then obviously babysitting was also a really big one. Um, there's something called respite care, which is when you take care of children who are in foster care either overnight or just while the parents go out to dinner um, because all kids who are in foster care have to be cared for by someone who's been background checked and approved by Mm. um, Department of Social Services. So you're saying a great ministry opportunity for our people who are listening right now is to become a certified respite care Mm -hmm. provider, Mm -hmm. something called? Something like that. That sounds fancy. That sounds, but sounds, sure. That sounds good. So you you listening right now? One way to serve in foster care, if you have a call to foster right now, is go get background checked, become a respite care person, so that you can provide babysitting for people. Mm-hmm. I think that's a great way to get plugged in and get help to get started. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and DSS will do the background check. For right. Them, right. So right. I love it. So then, what if I'm feeling a, a kind of tug in my heart to foster or learn more about foster? How do I even get started learning about it? Yeah, um, I would recommend, first off, spending some time in prayer again. Um, do some research about, like, the effects of childhood trauma. Um, every kid, Candace mentioned, so there's some traumatic situations in her kids' lives. Like, every kid who's in foster care has experienced trauma, and that's going to affect them in different ways. Um, so I, I would just do some research on that um, because foster parenting is different from regular parenting. And then you can check out either DSS agency, your your county DSS agency, or private agencies. Um, they all have info sessions, so you can kind of see what getting licensed through them would look like. Um, and then you just move forward with the process of getting licensed. So, Candace, I feel like parenting is hard enough. The idea of being a foster parent, I feel like you have to be a super mom or a super dad or a super parent. I mean, like to me, it's just kind of like... How, you must be the most. You have to be the most patient, the most incredible, right? Is that is that is that true? Yeah, no, definitely not true. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, no. Anybody, anybody, and everybody who is willing to be a parent, um, because foster parenting is parenting. It's not babysitting. Like when you get these children in your home, you can't call the social worker when little Johnny woke up with a fever and can't go to daycare, and you've got important meetings at work. It's your responsibility to figure out. 
you know, what needs to be done with him for the day. So it is parenting. It's not just taking care of a kid for a little bit of time and um, knowing someone else will catch catch the fall if you need to go do something without the child. Um, so it takes someone who is committed to being there 24-7 for the child because you are their parent. Um, but other than that, no. There's nothing special about it. So you don't have to have, like, the, the patience of Mother Teresa, no. the great, you know? Okay. I wish I did. <laughs> <laughs> I wish it came with that. Okay, well, that's, yeah, that's good to hear. So I, I hear about foster care, and my heart feels for it, but is there anything that should compel me to care more? Foster care is one of many issues out there, right? There are many opportunities to serve out there. What is there something biblically that should compel me to care about foster care? Yeah, so a lot of people have kind of their go-to scriptures related to foster care, like um, James one twenty-seven is a popular one about caring for orphans, and so there are some scriptural quote-unquote uh, mandates of sorts. Um, but I like to really just consider the life of Jesus. He loved people really well. He loved vulnerable people really well, like women, people with illnesses, and children. And kids in foster care are certainly um, a vulnerable population due to the trauma they've experienced and, you know, not living with their birth families. Um, So I think we get the opportunity to step into brokenness um, in the way that Jesus stepped into brokenness. Wow, we are not saviors foster parents are not saviors it's really important we don't need to be because we have jesus um i think it's a a beautiful way to imitate christ as we are called to do in scripture Mm, that's good that's good i feel when it comes to when the idea of foster care something's so hard that in my mind just being a parent is so hard the idea of fostering with a possibility of reunification being the goal it's almost like taking care of something that you know you're going to give away. You know? That, that you're going to... It's just, it seems like such a difficult burden to bear. That I, I thank God that God's called people like you, Candice, to bear that burden. Um, what are some of the joys in that? Yeah, so kind of like what I was mentioning. It just forces you, compels you. Like, there's no other choice but to lean into, um, lean into God and know that He has gone before all of us, but he's definitely gone before our kids when we think about, like, we have a court hearing next week and what's going to be the outcome and the decision, and he's already there, um, and he already knows, and it's um, something that you have to wrap your head around, but you cannot dwell on the fact that um, your kids might not be with you forever, because it can really impede your ability to um, love them and to fully uh, attach to them, and that's something that you'll learn in training, and Um, child psychology CE courses that you'll take to maintain your license that um, it's important that children who are in foster care learn how to form healthy attachments and foster parents are the key element to that Um, and it I think it can be um, a barrier to that can be your fear of wondering whether or not they'll be gone next week or um, whether they'll be in your life forever. So that's something that it's important to recognize um, and wrap your head around, but not to stay in that level of fear and um, uncertainty. Now, Candice, you had a situation for yourself where you started off as a foster um, parent to two boys, 
but then ended up something being something different. Could mm-hmm. you t- talk about that a little bit? Yeah, so um, we have a six-year-old, a five-year-old, and a three-year-old. And a five-year-old and a six-year-old are biological brothers who are adopted. Um, and we fostered them for a little over two years before they were adopted. Um, but they were in foster care, in foster homes before coming to us. So they pretty much spent their whole lives in foster care before we were able to adopt them. Um, and, yeah, it just was a neat experience. We definitely didn't expect that to happen. Um, but it did heighten my, I guess, sinful thoughts towards uh, our three-year-old who is currently in foster care still and we would love to be able to adopt her um, and we can't imagine anything different because that's what we were able to do with our boys. However, we know that, you know, she's, her life and her future is up to whatever the Lord has planned for her. Mm -hmm. Um, So just walking that balance of like, we were able to experience that with our boys and that was a huge blessing. Um, But knowing that that's not going to be the case with every other child that's in our home. Okay, so I remember being in the courtroom the day. That's right, you were there. The judge day. announced. Yeah. And uh, the tears, yeah. the celebration, um, the beauty of seeing your family together. I, I just, that's something I'm going to remember and cherish forever. Yeah. It was so incredible to see that. So, Megan, if you have something to say to the people who are listening, um, to encourage them, to get them involved, motivate them, or just a message to say about foster care? What do you, what would you like to say to them? Yeah, so I was thinking about some of the kids I worked with and um, some of the foster parents that I got to work with and see how they parented. And a couple of things stuck out in my mind, um, all under this lens of, like, expanding your view of family, which I think is something we can relate to in the church because, you know... We live in community as a family together. Um, And these kids in foster care need a big view of family that is atypical from the, you know, white picket fence that Candace mentioned. Um, So I have one, I had one family who she only did short-term emergency placements. She was active in her church and she would, she usually had teenagers. She would always bring them to youth group and they like loved it. Like all the kids loved youth group. And one of these girls, um, ended up continuing to go to the youth group at that church even after she was no longer in the home. So it's like, wow, like that's super cool. Her family doesn't go to church. Um, and she went back to, to her family and she continues to go, um, which is just cool. Um, another family, they're believers. They uh, have also adopted siblings over a period of time and they maintain connections with birth mom. They visit her in jail um, they continue to just share of God's goodness with her. Um, and her kids, like their kids get to continue to have a relationship knowing that, you know, their adopted mom is their mom, but also they have another mom. Um, just like what a beautiful picture of redemption, um, and of God's goodness and mercy and grace. And again, like, Every situation is really different. And so not all birth family relationships are going to look like that. But I think um, we can fight for that. Mm. And I think it's it's really beautiful. I, I love how you said different picture, expanded picture of family. 
Because that's what we're called to at the church, right? Is that we're family, but we look really different from each other. We're family that maybe typically wouldn't be found together in the same place or the same neighborhood, but we're family together in the church because we're united by blood that's deeper than the blood that runs in our veins. We're united by the blood of Jesus. So I love that. I love that picture that you painted of that. Candice, what would you say to just give a word of message out to the people listening about foster care, why they should care or how they can get involved, whatever, just a message to them? Um... So kids who are in foster care look a lot like your own children. Those of you who have your own biological children, um, they are not any different. Um, You would never need to equip yourselves any differently other than just educating yourself and doing some research, like Megan said. Um, But you, you foster these children and take care of them in your home just as you would any other child. Um, Your life outside of court and therapy and appointments really looks very similar to other moms and dads who are in your neighborhood. Um, so I guess, uh, pay attention maybe to your kids' friends in their class at school, um, and your neighbors and, um, know that there's probably foster children out there who you didn't even realize were out there, um, intermingled with your own biological children's lives. Um, and if it's something that is really burdened on your heart or you feel like God's placed on your heart, um, just really pray about it and find people who are already connected. Um, find more than one story situation because like Megan said, they can all, they're all very different and not one is better than the other. They're all just different. Um, but kind of crowdsource and get whatever information you need to make decisions and ask people to pray for you if you really feel like you're being called to foster um, and get involved. Well, like you said earlier, and like we talked about earlier, that you don't have to be a super mom to be foster care, but I think you're a super mom anyway, Candice. No, <laughs> <laughs> I want to thank you guys both. Thank you, Megan. Thank you, Candice, for coming and sharing. Um, thank you for sharing on such a a topic that is so important, um, important in the life of this church, important in the life of the society, important in the life of God. And so we just want to thank you for both of you for sharing your time. For the people listening, um, please beg of you to, to pray about what God might be calling you to do. Um, if you have any questions, talk to Megan, talk to Candace. They'd love to talk to you, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. Um, look it up on the internet. Uh, go to your DSS Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, DSS. <laughs> uh, there's opportunities for you to get, get other more information to find a way to serve in this capacity. This is the heart of God. He loves to redeem. He protects. He rescues. He is, he is the one who brings family and expands idea of family. So I encourage you guys to look into this and see how God might be calling you to get involved. Um, this is What's the Point podcast, and we thank you for coming joining with us. I hope you have a great week.